Hi, Maggie here, and as a vocal coach, it is my privilege and honor to work with passionate singers just like yourself. If you love to sing, but maybe believe that you're not good enough yet, that you can't really learn to sing those high or low notes without hoarseness, or maybe you struggle with insecurities, well, then this podcast is for you. During our time here together, you'll get tips, tricks, and motivation to grow as a singer, develop your voice, and make your big singing dreams come true. So, ready to take your singing to the next level? Let's go! Hi, and welcome to this new episode. Today, we have a special guest joining us on the show. Her name is Stephanie. She is an amazing, beautiful, and just giving person. Uh, I feel very honored to have her here on the podcast today. We're going to be talking about singing. We're going to be talking about branding as an artist, because many singers No, they want to move forward with their singing. They want to share that with others, whether that's through performing or through, you know, choirs or singing in a band and how you do that and how you package that whole, you know, artist branding is, is, is an important piece of that. And so Stephanie is going to be talking about all of that. So who is Stephanie Carlin, right? Stephanie is on one side a coach, but also an artist. And in a world that profits from you doubting yourself, Stephanie Carlin is a beacon of truth. She, in her lyrics, she ripped through the fear, bringing a remembering of how to trust herself again. Um, she is set up with watching people suffer and self-sabotaging their own dreams. I think that's something that we can all recognize. And that's why she founded the Truth School. This transformational incubator helps industry trailblazer unlock the emotions behind their imbalances and diseases so that they can trust themselves again, reclaim their truth. So if you're an artist, The Truth School is for you. And this is what Stephanie is all about. This conversation really was very inspiring for me as well. So I hope you get um, as much out of it as I did. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Stephanie. Enjoy. Hi, Stephanie. Great. So great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here, Maggie. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Yes, you're so welcome. So we were just talking and um, there were so many beautiful things flowing out of your mouth when you were talking about your band. And I just want to pick right up there. You know, these podcasts, interviews and the people I bring on on the show, they're just so inspiring. And, and, and you are so inspiring when we met in Arizona. And so you were talking about your band right now. Can, can you just recap what you just said? before we started this whole thing? I would love to. Uh, you know, I have been a musician for 17 years. I've performed maybe like close to a thousand shows. I've been in so many different projects. And then, you know, I also help artists uh, monetize their soul's purpose, essentially. And it, it doesn't get old when you start building something from scratch and you get a win. And that's what's been happening. So in my new band, our band name is Four Fader. We only have three songs out. We have many on deck, but we only have three songs out. And I have been telling my email list on my um, newsletter, Taste of Truth. I've been saying, come along for the journey. We have zero followers. We have basically zero streams. And I would like to invite you 
to see me mess up, screw up, take wrong detours, have failures fall flat on my face along the way as I figure out what our brand is. Because what I preach all the time to my clients, my truth schoolers is we cannot intellectualize or pre-plan what our brand is. Our brand is an expression of our soul. And we have to be just on the court in action, figuring that shit out. So I said to my email list, okay, come along. I'm, I, I kind of need you to, to be my little support group as we figure this out. So it was like month after month after month of, we tried so many different strategies and pivots to find our voice on social media. We hired the big fancy agencies. Oh, spoiler alert, that didn't work because they can't tell me what my voice is as an artist. And then just a few months ago, we were promoting our uh, single called In Time. And all of a sudden, Maggie, I like found a secret sauce. And for me, I was very surprised by what the secret sauce was. You know that button on, on Instagram, like under a post that says boost post? Yeah. Okay. So you're a great marketer. You're great at business strategy. We know as marketers, don't, don't use it. Don't press that button. No, you don't. You, you big dumb, dumb, stupid. Don't <laughs> press that button. That is a waste of your money. Go into the back end of ad manager, get a highly targeted niche. Do not flush your dollars down the drain by clicking the boosted post button. And so I was at this point where we had had so many dead ends and I was like, what the hell? This music is so good. Our branding is not that bad that nobody should be seeing this screw it. I'm going to press the boosted post button and just see what happens. And it was like, it was like a faucet turned on and our exact dream fans started flooding in DMS like crazy uh, performance opportunities, paid performance opportunities. Uh, our Spotify numbers started to climb very quickly. And that was only three weeks ago. And I am like over here cackling. I've tried it on multiple other, um, accounts on Instagram that I manage because I don't just build my own brand. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. So for some reason, the algorithm shined a light on us and said, okay, we're going to have this boosted button work. And we know branding and um, social media is not a one size fits all thing for people. So that's what I found. And each person listening, you know, your thing is going to be different, but it was such a win to be so tenacious and to keep trying and failing and failing and failing and failing and having that failure be nothing while believing in the product so much. And then seeing this, this amazing win that's been happening. There's so many things I want to dive into in what you've just told us. And it's so beautiful how you started out saying, Hey, I've got this project. I'm going to fail. Please come along with me when you send that out to your email list. I think that's very inspiring because the singers I work with, most of them are in the beginning stages of singing in front of other people. I don't want to call it performances because some of them are singing in a choir. Others just started their own band and are still in their rehearsal spaces. Others do perform and, and some of them are even getting paid performing regularly. So when you're talking about failure and inviting people to go on along with the ride, you know, I think that is such an important lesson because many, they're waiting for it to be perfect. They're waiting for it to be a finished thing. I, I don't want to mess up with anything. My brand has to be on point. You know, maybe they're not even there yet at their brand identity, 
they're just at the stage of it all has to be perfect. So knowing that you are so open to your followers and your people that, that, you know, your fans saying, I'm going to mess up. That took a lot of courage. I can imagine what is some kind of words of advice or what was your state of being? What was going on through your head when you send out that very first email, inviting people to go with you on that journey and how can beginner singers do that as well? I spent over a decade being obsessed with looking good. Mm. And you know what it got me? It got me really right about when I look good, but it didn't make me happy. It didn't actually share the mission with the world that I want to share. And the thing that lets me be so shameless is that I am 1000% rooted in what I call my spiritual mission as an artist. My spiritual mission takes me out of my own mind. My spiritual mission takes me out of my own insecurities. My spiritual mission takes me out of uh, the human obsession with looking good. Mm -hmm. And it has something be so much bigger. I can't make it the impact I want to make on this planet through the law of sound. If I'm more concerned with looking good and making sure everything's perfect before I ship my work. And that is something that takes muscle. That is not something that I could really intellectualize my way through. I had to show up and be a little shameless over and over and over again and ship shitty work over and over and over again in order to like normalize it for mm -hmm. myself. Now, I didn't go into that like consciously thinking I'm going to ship something that isn't good. But when I have perspective looking back on what I've done, even six months ago, even when we started this brand, I'm like, oh my God, I cannot even believe we thought that was, <laughs> that was something acceptable to put on the internet. But as my bandmate says, which I really love him for this, he says, um, you know, the good thing about no one seeing it is actually that no one's seen it. So I can feel my shame about that terrible thing we put out there. But the great news is it got 50 views. So nobody, nobody saw it in the first place. There's just my own wound to lick of shame. And that is very freeing for me. It's very liberating. No, nobody is going to get the impact you're going to make unless you ship your work and it's going to be bad. That is so true. And I love how that shame to you is kind of the medicine to overcome that perfectionism, which is very, it's an insight I think that many people don't really have. So I, I thank you for sharing that. Another thing that you shared in, in the first story that you told about how your brand exploded in these last three weeks is finding your brand voice and finding who you are as an artist. And I think that's also something that many, many singers are in search of. So how did you find that? How was that for you, that journey? Yeah, well, I want to like start answering that question by saying, if you are making music for yourself, then none of this really applies. There are so many people who want to develop themselves as artists and musicians for to just use that medicine on themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's a really beautiful, special thing. Not everyone needs to be out there in the world, like blasting people with content or like making that their life. So if you are making music just for yourself, oh, oh my gosh, like the, the energy of infinite intelligence is running through you to serve as medicine for you. And that's a beautiful thing. However, there are many people who want to make a living and a career and a legacy out of their art. 
And there are a million other people who are going to come in and do that for you. Um, what I mean is that you can't really like sit around just waiting for this to happen. Uh, now I already like lost what your question was in my preamble. Can you tell me again what your question was? I think you almost, <laughs> you almost answered it. So my question was that brand voice, finding who you truly are, finding what you as an artist, what the, the brand is. You said you were working with like very high yeah. experts on social media. <laughs> yeah. And so how did you find your brand voice? And, and you partially answered it by doing it yourself, not involving with anyone else. Because some people wait for that label or that, you know, product producer contract and they're not really doing what they want to do. But is there something more to that or or how was it for you? So thank you. It's it started with me not having words to explain the music. Right. And we've all seen those posts. It's like this is my song. Here's my song. It's out today. I hope you like it. Mm -hmm. And you like post some visual that like kind of shows the song, but not really. And I am like a mass. Um, I really am like a master copywriter with my clients, with my truth schoolers in business strategy. But I kept seeing that when I was promoting my music, I couldn't find the words to articulate anything except here's the song. I hope you like it. And I really needed to take a look at that for myself. I said, Stephanie, you, you claim to be this like wordsmith. You claim to have words for everything. Yet when your music is there, you have no words to explain it. And like that took me on a journey of uh, maybe the last year or so of try exploring the world I desire to create when people step foot into my musical sphere. Wow. Because, and I'm sure everyone listening can empathize with that, that the world you're creating with your music is so much more than just the song. There's like an imprint of a visceral experience that so many artists desire to leave people with mm -hmm. in their music. And I knew we were creating a world. I knew, okay, we like, built our recording studios in Airbnbs in the middle of national forests in order to make this record. Like I knew there was an encoding, a deep encoding of, of the natural world in this music, but like, I didn't want to be heady about it. I didn't want to like, uh, uh, like do like big philosophical exploits. I couldn't find the words to figure it out. So that's what I started to go on a journey with. And now, you know, we are pretty settled in what our brand is when you step into our world and our world is really just on Instagram. That is the world. Like that's our chosen platform. We have, we have a bit of a, a following on TikTok too, but when you step into our Instagram world, there is like a truth vibration transmission of a feeling of the magic and mystery of the natural world. And that is what we call our brand voice. And that is what leads. That is the filter in everything that we put out. Now, I'm not claiming to be an expert on, on it in my particular brand yet. We still mess up all the time. Uh, we still put out things that maybe are in, incongruent with, our, with that leading brand tone. But the guideposts are there. And like, we know who we are. And like, I treat this as a business. I don't treat this as a fun hobby. Like, like a business 
knows who they are in the world and what they provide for people. And they have the language to express it. And so that mindset continues to orient me when, when I'm working on my music. And it also keeps me from taking like really crappy gigs as a musician too. Thank you for saying that. And I just want to put that in bold letters for our listeners. When you want to, so that's what you said, when you want to come out with your music, many people see that as a hobby and the mindset shift that you shared with us is seeing it as a business. So tell me more about the crappy gigs, because I think every artist <laughs> went through that phase. How do you say no to projects that don't light you up? How do you say yes to projects that give you energy? Like, how do you, how do you make those decisions? And, and how do you say no? I think that's a big question that many people have. Maggie, the music industry would be so much healthier if artists could gather their spiritual strength, take a deep breath and say no to the crappy gigs. I am on like such a crusade with my little circles mm -hmm. to empower people to say no. I mean, I have my hands in many industries. I have my hand in the in business strategy. I'm, I'm a healer. I'm an energy expert. I, um, I do all this branding work with my truth schoolers, but there's something so messed up, particularly about the music industry and how everyone is expected to work for free, work for pennies, um, spend months on a project for $50, for $200, for $500 to not be paid your actual worth. So your question is, how do we say no? That is a really deep self-worth conversation. And as someone who works with energy, and I'm sure many, I mean, so many musicians are just energy workers working through the law of sound. That's what I like to say. So we're all very deeply intuitive and psychic in our own ways and empathic. But when we're, when our energy is, when my energy, I'll speak for myself, when my energy is corded into the group consciousness of the music industry, you then start to feel like a black sheep or um, like inappropriate for saying no, because everyone around you in that industry is saying yes to things that um, don't pay well, um, that work you to the bone for not enough compensation. Um, it's profoundly dysfunctional. And I'm like musing on this because I live in LA now and the film industry is here in LA. And like, I'm like, damn, at least those at least those film people have unions. They have like people they can band together with. Like, I know there are technically like music unions out there, but like, like we're just such a lawless community. Mm. We don't have that kind of group support that like advocates for our rights. Instead, we all kind of like slump back, shrug our shoulders and go, it is the way it is. Yeah. Or oftentimes I hear people say, oh, but I love it so much. I don't mind doing it for free in the beginning. And then it goes to, but it's my passion and I really love to sing. So I should just do it for free. And then, and then it starts to get resentment of like, oh, it sure does. Exactly. So how do resentment you is, right? yeah, resentment is one of the most corrosive energies a human being can live inside of. And I tell all my truth schoolers, one of the things we talk about on day one is that I, I'm really a demand for the people around me to live a life free of resentment, rejection, and regret. To live inside of those three R's energetically is 
so corrosive, destructive, and dangerous. So it does get better in the music industry. It's not like there isn't any money anywhere, but there is a certain tier when you begin your career that says, oh, well, I just have to work for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but except that you don't because um, a business can't be healthy when you're working for nothing. So to start orienting yourself into like that, this is a business and that you're CEO of a company and you're, it's not, and the music isn't even the product that you're selling because the music is inherently valueless. Let's get real. The music is content. The music is content. Now, when you start hitting millions of streams, you're going to see a nice revenue check come in, a nice royalty check, and that's going to be really nice. But that is for one day very soon, but not right now. So you must think, at least I must, I want to try to speak in the first person. I must think of my music as the content where paid products become the arms out of that content. Mm. Even though my heart and my soul is put into that piece of music and that is the art as a musician, I see that as the art first and foremost, but as a business owner, it is the content. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And getting so clear on these lanes of energy is what frees me up to easily say I'm a, I'm absolutely not playing a garbage bar gig. That that part of my career is done. That's not going to it's also not going to serve our demographic. That's not going to serve my spiritual mission and people will feel the transmission when uh I'm free of resentment, rejection, regret, when I'm connected to my power. So these are all the moving pieces both in the energetics and the business strategy that I'm always thinking of for myself, but you know, I, like I said, I did 15 years of that grind. I'm, I'm done. And I love nothing gets me off more than helping another musician get off that grind too. I love that. And also the fact that you repeated yourself with the, well, not repeated yourself, but that's the second time I hear this word spiritual mission. And I think once someone is clear on that, then the brand voice will automatically follow. Am I right in saying that? Would that be a safe safe assumption? I think so. And I think it's what feels the best. I'll tell you my spiritual mission. Um, I I got the words for my spiritual mission in a meditation. My favorite way to meditate is to uh, go into a state of brainwave state through a very gentle, safe, loving hypnosis. And it's actually what I teach my clients to do as well. So I was in a theta brainwave state and I was asking infinite intelligence to show me my spiritual mission. And I got the words loud and clear um, that my spiritual mission is to help the dead become alive through the law of sound. And the image I saw when I got this was of the eyes You know, when you like see someone with like dead eyes, like, you know, you see a baby's eyes. They say that a baby like alters consciousness in their eyes at the age of seven. This is when their self-awareness comes in. This is when their self-consciousness comes in. This is when they start to understand, like, I'm a human being in the world. Maybe I should start looking good. This happens around seven years old. And I, and I, it breaks my heart when I'm like in a sea of adults and I see that like lifelessness Mm -hmm. in their eyes. I, I mean, we all love seeing God's energy through the eyes of a child, right? That, that spark in the eye. But when people listen to music or like, it's just like a spiritual experience. It's like going to church for so many of us who might not have a religious affiliation with a God. 
And I see that spark come alive. And so that to me is my spiritual mission is like a sea of faces, bringing that dead light in the eyes alive. Now let's see if I do that or not, but it, it really nourishes me and inspires me. And it is the place I can return to when I get resentful, when I feel rejection, when I start collecting regrets, I can return back into that spiritual mission. And that is what gives me spiritual strength to move through the ridiculous grind of our industry. (laughs) That is beautiful. And I can imagine that if that, if you have your spiritual mission in, in, in the forefront of, of your thoughts before going on stage, your performance will be radically different than if you keep in the worry or the fear, or what if I lose my lyrics or what if they're going to laugh at me? That's where we get those stress responses. If someone can just be present with their spiritual mission, I can imagine that that will be a whole different experience. Is that what you experience as well? It is the antidote to this perfectionism Mm -hmm. that you speak of, because like, who, who cares if I'm worried about missing a note? That's not why I'm here. I'm not here for that. I'm here for the, the spiritual mission, which is so much bigger than me, which is just an energy running through me. And we all know that as musicians, that when you drop into this moment, it's why we all put up with this nonsense is for that moment where, where God comes through you, where creator comes through you, source comes through you, whatever word you, you want to use that lights you up, that where that energy that's bigger than you runs through you. That's why we do all this stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and feeling that, that's what I call freedom and, and freedom of voice, freedom, the inner freedom. It's indescribable. So thank you so much for sharing that and putting your own spin to it. Um, there's so many things I want to ask you and talk to you about, but if it's okay for you, let's pivot to, well, let's go back to that branding, because I know that is something that the singers I work with struggle with. They discover their voices, they learn to sing, and they're like, okay, I want to share this. And then they start an Instagram account, and then they start posting their covers, or sometimes it's original songs. And then that's kind of it, right? So when I'm looking at that situation, what would your advice be, or what would you do to grow beyond that? And I know you're a branding expert, you're amazing with branding. So what is something to keep in mind when being in these beginning stages? I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of art lately, because my new, my new conclusion is you have to be a weirdo and you have to be willing to be a weirdo. So there's this like human condition that makes us want to be liked and we'll do anything to look good. It's just what being human is. We're wired for that. We want to be with the pack. We don't want to be excluded. However, it's 2023 and everybody and their grandmothers is on the internet trying to be an influencer. And when I think about the people that really move me, inspire me, I'm like, they're all lunatics. They're all so weird. They're all so weird. I can't afford to not express my weirdness uh, through my brand. If it's, if it's an art brand, a personal brand, I'm not talking corporate brand, right? Like, like you have to be weird or be willing to. And if the word weird doesn't resonate with you, like maybe it's about just carving out 
truly your own voice and not giving a rip about what anyone else says to you. Like we just got two of our two, three pieces of hate mail from our last ad campaign. And I like sent it to my bandmate. I'm like, look, we did it. We got the three pieces. I was just so excited. I was like, wow, these guys took the time to write out how annoying they thought we were. This is it. We're doing this is such a confirmation that we are going in the right direction. This is so that's how I see it. How you share because see that many singers would see that as failure or as oh no, they don't like me, and then they go into that, you know, dark place and i just love how you celebrate those hate mails we need to do that more often so thank you for sharing that <laughs> well i mean it's really if if it triggers you to get a something like that then it's just already ref it's just highlighting your own insecurity about yourself mm -hmm. so that's why it's triggering like i have no insecurity i'm very clear this music is amazing yes. and i'm very clear i am going to like not share it in the most elegant way every time mm -hmm. uh so it just means nothing to me when someone says things like that. Yeah. And you can't please anyone. And the fact that you're triggering someone else to write that hate mail means that you have shared your story and whatever you wanted to say in the way that you wanted to say it. And that might trigger some other people, but that at least shows your authenticity. And I think that's just amazing. Triggering people is an important part of, I won't say that. I won't say triggering people is an important part of discovering your niche, but being controversial, it yeah. should be something that is welcomed. It's part of your eclecticness. It's part of your weirdness. And we all have controversial things in our art at some point or another. And I'm, I don't know, I always say like, I wanna be very aware of who I'm repelling just as much as who I'm attracting. Mm -hmm. um, I love when people unsubscribe to my email list. I just, I invite in all the no's to what I'm up to because that means I'm getting closer and closer to the people who are a hell yes. And to have a tribe of fans who are a hell yes, no matter how small they are, that is, um, I mean, God, even like 20 people could change the game for a new artist. To have 20 people say hell yes to your art is so validating let alone getting up into all the big numbers that everyone always wants. So let's talk about that, because I know you mentioned, not here on the podcast, but um, we talked, well, we wrote about it, the thousand true fans model. I am so curious to hear more about that and why you're obsessed with that. Have you heard of it, Maggie? Have you heard of this no, before? No, so tell me all about it. So we can maybe link in the show notes or people listening can Google um, Kevin Kelly, um, wrote this incredible essay called 1000 True Fans. Mm -hmm. Tim Ferriss, um, who is a well-known entrepreneur, he is a big advocate of what, the 1000 True Fans with Kevin Kelly. They have many podcasts together where they talk about it. And essentially what, what it's being, what's being said in this essay is anybody can make and monetize anything with their 1000 True Fans. If you can grow a platform or a following to have 1,000 people who are diehard, who would follow you into the desert, into any offering, sale, concert, merch experience, you know, you have those 1,000 people, you've made it, you're good. The, the delusion that you need a massive following in order to be successful is indeed that, a delusion. 
And so I, I love this. I find it to be true in my own life. I've run online businesses with lists of 99 people, 300 people, 600 people. I have, I have really not that big of an interest in growing massive, massive followings. If it comes cool. And if it doesn't, great. Um, but I've, I've kind of made it even smaller for myself. I am now playing with 100 true fans. Mm. Uh, I actually am wondering, like, do we really need 1,000 true fans? Probably to have a healthy business. That is a great goalpost. But for the person who is starting out, who wants to validate their offer to the world, which for artists often means validating yourself to the world, a, a benchmark of 100 true fans can change your life. Yeah. That's what I think. What do you think? Yeah, well, we totally agree. I mean, 100 people, just imagine singing in front of 100 people. That's a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Wow. Stephanie, I could, I could keep on going, but I think we're I going know. to wrap it up here. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listener? And also please share where, where they can reach out to you, where they can find you. Uh, but any last words of wisdom that you want to, you want to talk about? Well, I'd actually really love to, um, you know, dive deeper with this, with your community. So, uh, you know, as a special gift, you and I have set up a masterclass um, happening on June 8th. And hopefully if you're listening to this after June 8th, the replay will be available for you to watch. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to do a masterclass with you called uh, Sync Your Energy to 100,000 Followers. So... The premise of this is if, if 100,000 followers came to you tomorrow, would your energy actually be prepared for that? Would your branding actually be prepared for that? Do you have the capacity to hold that number of people? And so I've, I've built a couple platforms up to that number and it, you know, it takes something to hold that quality of, of a fan base. So together in this masterclass, we're actually going to look at some energetic practices to welcome and invite that caliber of energy in. And uh, I'm quite excited for this. It's going to be a really great fusion of very practical branding strategy and energetics. Yes, we're going to continue the conversation. I'm already looking forward to it. Um, this masterclass will be in the Singing Insiders, the membership. I will email everyone about it so that they can sign up. I will link below this episode as well so that they can sign up and join us for that. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. So how can they connect with you on Instagram, for example? Find find our band on Instagram. The uh, Our handle is Forfader. That's our band, F-O-R-E-F-A-D-E-R. Mm -hmm. And you'll see we have a small community there but um if you looked at my insights and my metrics you'd see how quickly it's growing from some of the strategies we talked about today which is nuts and if you want to join my newsletter taste of truth that is where i kind of give them behind the scenes updates on all the weird branding things that i'm doing interesting i'll link all of that up in the show notes Stephanie, thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. And I'm already looking forward to our masterclass together. But thank you so much for taking the time and sharing all of these valuable insights with us. My pleasure. Thank you, Maggie. 
I'm giving you a virtual high five. Wow, that was amazing. Was it just me or did that go by way too fast? Now, if you don't want to stop here and you want more singing tips, tricks, and exercises, head on over to www.singinginsiders.com. Also, if you liked and valued this episode, be sure to subscribe to this show, share it with your friends, and leave a review so that we can reach even more singers and spread the power of singing. So thank you for being here. Thank you for your enthusiasm and support. And I look forward to see you here again soon. Bye.